0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the A24 on the Rocks podcast, your favorite podcast where five noble steeds take on the glorious endeavor of watching every film distributed by A24 in order. Today, we only have four glorious steeds, four horsemen of the apocalypse, but we're here to talk about Room with all of you. Now, this is a movie that was released in 2015, and before I go on any further, I'm supposed to introduce myself. My name's Kelly. I'm back. I'm your host this time. And today I am drinking a red wine from the coasts of California.
1: Yeah. After
0: me comes <laughs> my husband.
1: My, uh, name's, my name's Eric Kiska yeah. and I'm drinking Diverse de Solito.
2: Up next we have Kevin. Hello world. My name is Kevin K. kahn And tonight I am drinking a Michter's Small Batch Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey because as i've said before there are many questions in life and all of them can be answered with bourbon next we have
3: hi my name is cole william Whitlaw gibson i have changed my location once again fuck you irs try and find me i am in panama city beach and i am living my best white girl life and drinking some white claw
0: If this was a funnier, um, if the mood was right for this movie, I would make jokes about living your best white girl life, but this is not the time nor the place, so I shall not continue with this train of thought. This movie, we're going to talk about roomed on this episode. Uh, This is a 2015 drama. It was directed by Linny Abrahamson and written by Emma Donahue. It's based on a book that she wrote with the same name, and it stars Brie Larson and Jack Tremblay. This movie is about a woman and her young son that finally regain their freedom and allow the young boy to experience the outside world for the first time. This movie, for me, I had never seen it before because I had never read that full synopsis knowing that there would be an escape. And I was fearful of what this movie would entail. So the first thing that I wanted to ask everybody on here today is, was this your first viewing? What did you expect that you were going to see? And what were your thoughts on what you actually did get out of this movie? I'll start with Eric.
1: Uh, This is the second time I've seen it. And the first time it was way more emotional than this time. Like it was still emotional for me to watch it this time. And I guess the first time what I expected I was going to see... Something very emotional, <laughs> um, very something that uh, I knew was about sexual abuse and kidnapping and a uh, woman trying to raise her kid while abducted and locked in a room. So, uh, yeah, I, I knew it was going to be very heavy. And in the second watch, I'd say it was still very
3: heavy.
0: Cole, have you seen this before? And what did you think you were going to see?
3: so this is my first time watching it um i'm like pretty familiar with the story so i knew roughly what the synopsis was and i did know that they eventually got out i didn't know if like if it was going to be part of the story or not but uh i stayed away from this movie because it was one of those films that was always on my radar but i i feel like you have to be in the right mindset to like willingly go watch it because i knew it was going to be a very heavy emotional roller coaster type thing and I just haven't been prepared but you know what this podcast made me do it and I don't regret it
0: I'm in the same spot as you where I was like I need to be in a certain spot to watch a movie like this I don't know if I'm ever gonna get there even when we started this project I was dreading the day that we were gonna watch this movie and fortunately it isn't what my mind thought that it was going to be and I'm very grateful and it was a really good take for that Kevin is it your first time watching this movie as well
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, This was a complete blank slate for me going in. I had watched a trailer, uh, I had a small brief description. And interestingly enough, as I don't watch a lot of these movies, but as I was discussing with my wife kind of the preparation for this week, I mentioned the movie we were watching and she piped up that she had seen it before and that she had enjoyed it. So I kind of knew that it had some mainstream appeal in that sense. Uh, that it was kind of the start of what we talk about with A24's kind of juggernaut win victory in uh, the awards and Oscars in general. And for me, I kind of had the idea that this movie was something important in the A24 library. But going into the actual film itself, when you get the start of it, you don't necessarily know the way that the movie sets up with the two parts and how distinctly different they both are. I kind of knew what I was getting myself into, but as the movie unfurled, I was uh, very pleasantly surprised on the way they approached the whole thing, and it kind of made for a, an even more unique viewing experience.
0: Yeah, speaking of mainstream, this is a movie, it's the first in kind of a while that we've watched that's been so heavily nominated and awarded by so many awards, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Brie Larson won Best Actress for by multiple, uh, both Academy Award, Golden Globe, BAFTA. Um, So she really went out of her way to become this role. I was reading that she researched trauma with an expert. She talked to a nutritionist. She avoided sunlight and was on a very restrictive diet, all to prepare herself for this role. So that kind of brings me to the first thing that I want to discuss is just the acting of our main two characters uh Brie Larson who you could call Ma or Joy and then Jack uh who in my opinion is probably like the best young actor I have maybe ever seen he absolutely sold this uh to me so Eric let's hear from you again kind of your thoughts on how these actors portrayed their characters
1: uh I mean Brie Larson this was a role of a lifetime and I think that she absolutely killed it I don't think I've seen a better acting performance it's one of my top five acting performances of the last 20 years I'd say it was she was so in character she transformed herself it's like everything that you probably hear and aspire to in acting school Jacob Tremblay playing the little kid I mean I if I could act like that when I was a five year old oh my gosh i I would have gotten all the toys and candy I wanted but um <laughs> But he was, he was a phenomenal actor to, like, think that somebody at that age could act and embody a character like that that is also going through trauma is mind-blowing. The acting was definitely the centerpiece of this movie. Um, I mean, the, the plot itself was obviously, like we were saying before, very heavy and serious. But, like, this definitely centered around Ma and Jack. And... Uh, yeah, they needed those performances to carry this movie, and I definitely think they did.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, the other thing that I was reading about Emma Donahue, who was the writer, screenwriter, and executive producer, is that she wrote the screenplay before her book was even published, turned down many offers by different directors, and the man who ended up directing this movie actually wrote her a 10-page fan letter about how much it needs to be made into a movie. And another thing that they did with directing uh, Jacob, who plays Jack, was he wasn't old enough to read the whole screenplay. So they gave him just scene by scene what he was going to act like. Cole, do you kind of want to touch on these two actors and how they portray their roles?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to reiterate a lot of what Eric said. That kid, like, it I honestly, like, didn't strike me till towards the end where I was just like, holy shit, that kid is just, like, an actor. Like, that's not just a kid that was put in this situation with, like, Brie Larson acting around him. Like, that kid absolutely crushed it and deserves a ton of props and, you know, all, everything under the sun. And Brie Larson did also a phenomenal job. Like, I was trying to think, you know, while er- Eric mentioned that this was in his top, Five. I I can't think of a movie off the top of my head with two, you know, main characters that basically are the really the only characters that carried a movie so well and acted so well to the point where you know again like I didn't even dawn on me that that kid was an actor till towards the end because it was just so believable and so well done and they deserve all the awards and accolades that they got for this performance.
0: Honor. Percent. I said that at the last thing, but I'm just agreeing with you guys because I feel like we're all on the same page at least so far with this whole movie.
3: Too good, man.
0: It's easy to be. I feel like Uh, Kevin. I want you to weigh in. I also kind of want to ask you about their decision to kind of give voiceover and the childish interpretations of the world around Jack. Uh, I want you to talk both on like actor performance and kind of how you think. What were your thoughts on like the way that they kind of built this world from the child perspective
2: excellent so first off i really um without echoing too much of what you guys already talked about he did such jason tremblay did such an excellent job he was eight years old during the timing of this while playing a five-year-old so i think that adds a little bit of depth to his character because he's had a couple more years to be able to kind of understand some of these uh, dynamics in a actor actress relationship i was also doing some kind of side reading and it looked like when this project was being put together Jason's mother uh, arranged for Brie Larson to kind of spend some time with the family, uh, kind of getting to know the the, the son, uh, playing some Legos together, just interacting from a perspective of what it is going to take to really accurate portray such a strong love that we get in this movie. And they did such a great job with it. It often made you forget that we were watching actors or actresses. It was truly a, a mother and a son on the screen and kind of what that looked like. And I think that transitions into your second question, too, on how such a great job of Brie Larson's character did of setting up that world of room. We don't get the room. We don't get a lot of these articles attached to a lot of these items in the room. It's just they are personalities. They are creations. The director did such a good job of using the space. We have a 10 by 10 room, and they filmed everything inside this one room. They didn't take it in different places. They didn't try to make it this bathroom feel bigger or this side room. They really truly made the viewer feel like they were in this 10x10 enclosure, and everything had a story. When you wake up on Jack's fifth birthday, everything has a name, an attachment, a reason for existing. And as a viewer, you need to feel like you're part of what you're watching. You want to feel completely invested in what the environment is, what the setting is, what the characters are giving you. And the director did such a great job of making it feel intimate, making me feel like I wanted to learn more, but also felt kind of the pain of that situation, if that makes sense. So we knew that they were there because of something so horrible, but there was all this this silver lining right off the bat, and it kind of gave this comfort to it. And I can keep going because we, you know, are all going to talk about how wonderful this movie is in different ways. But those segues between the characters and the setting really just kind of made it feel special for me right off the bat. And that was that A24 vibe that I got within the first five minutes, which was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with the A24 vibes. And part of that was the cinematography. Even I would say the strongest part is once, spoilers ahead, listeners. I'm sure you knew that this was already coming they escape The Room. And the way that they use the cinematography when Jack sees the whole world for the first time and the disorienting effect that it has is just like, take my breath away. They totally nailed it. And it gave me the vibes, for lack of a better term. I want to go back, though, to Room and kind of the vibes that were created in there, just between mother and son relationships. Like I said, this movie really subverted my expectations of what I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be one of those kind of movies and I am glad that it wasn't I'm not someone who's afraid of a horror film but this one is a little too real of a idea that I think their direction to keep it all kind of off screen and implied is such a good use of it's it's still horror, but it's in a more interesting way. Cole, do you kind of want to touch on the ideas that I'm throwing out here without me laying down a more concrete question?
3: You know, the way that um, I think they for a very like heavy and hard subject to not get into kind of the glorification or overs go diving way too deep into, you know, trying to shock people. Um, I think they did a very good job with a lot of the scenes where Old Nick comes in. They kind of switch to Jack's perspective as he's in the wardrobe, and you don't see anything, but you do hear. You kind of you you know what's happening, but it's it's all implied. But it's done in such a like a cold and like harsh way, but without showing you everything that it really evokes a lot of emotion and gets the point across without glorifying it or just going way over the top and then I love almost you know not necessarily I guess it is like world building that they do in the room with the way that she explains it to this child her child Jack that has never seen the outside world has no concept of it and the way she explains it you know in that the way that you know she thinks that he they may never get out and he talks about how like the aliens are people on the outside And then also there's like so many small little nuances of stories and like set designs and stuff throughout just the room itself from like the design. And, you know, there's like the scene where she's chopping up some, uh, I think like an apple or something like that. And the knife is like clearly cut to be dulled so it's not a point Mm -hmm. so she can't stab him. It's only like Mm -hmm. a slashing weapon. And then there's just, just all these little things that just make so much sense but add to the story without just showing you right out right into your face and it's just phenomenal job.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you brought up that knife too. Like that's just like a piece of just like the small things that they throw in there that you're like world building. Yeah. hundred percent. Eric, you looked like you were zeroing in on that. Do you want to talk about this at all too?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, I wanted to talk more about the camera shots they used to build that world too. Uh, they used a lot of like close intimate shots of the kid of all of the objects in the room to make the room seem bigger than it actually was, just as the kid was kind of uh, perceiving this room. And they did a lot of uh, of point-of-view shots from the kid, too, especially looking through the blinds, Um, a lot of off-kilter shots that made the room seem skewed and distorted. Yeah, it, it was as if you were perceiving the room through the eyes of the kid, and they did such a phenomenal job of making this small room seem like a whole
2: world just as the kid was viewing it. Yeah, Kevin. And the enthusiasm of the kid as we're viewing it is just so brilliant. So he does such a good job, Mr. Tremblay, about, well, calling it eight-year-old Mr. Jason Tremblay <laughs> does such a great job of of giving us this view, as Eric just so eloquently put it. like The shots are showing the the wonder of a five-year-old kid, and we're seeing it in such a great light that we can't do anything else but like kind of fall in love with that character right off the bat. I mean, he's so energized, he's so excited about the world that he knows because it's all he knows. And it leads to just, then we think about the character of Joy and how wonderful she's done as a mother in this circumstance, right? Allowing the wonder of a five-year-old to still exist in a 10 by 10 room where he's known nothing else. It just adds so much more depth to her character, and we get that right away, that in the impossible situation where a mother has to raise her kid in the most ridiculous of circumstances she's clearly done a fantastic job and we know that within the first like literal shots of the film and that sets up so much of kind of the the gravitas of what we're going to see and how important it is for the viewer to understand that she will do absolutely anything to protect this child and what that relationship looks like for the next you know duration of the film
0: yeah and something that i like that they showed even on screen with the realness of this like mother son mother-child relationship is that she gets annoyed by him too. (laughs) Like I'm like, what would be worse than being trapped in this room and everything that goes along with it is now you have a small little child who has temper tantrums with you. And as much as that's such a small part of a mother-child relationship, I'm glad that they show that because not only do they save each other in many kind of ways, keep each other sane, keep each other hopeful – they still are going to bump elbows all the time. The other realness that I really liked is with the trauma that she's going through. She can't be a she can't be on all the time. And they call it from the kids' perspective, they call it gone days where she just does not get out of bed, does not do anything with them. I'm glad that they show that as well. It's another piece of this movie that I appreciated that they would show that. Eric?
1: Yeah, I also wanted to go back to Kind of what we were saying, how a lot of the violence or uh, the horrors of this movie, it's more implied. And I I really like that choice uh, to not show all like the, the physical violence that obviously old Nick was, you know, doing to Joy. They showed, you know, him trying to suffocate her at one point. But, you know, the rest of the physical violence he is doing is very much heard or just implied. And I felt like that was almost even more effective to the audience because also since you're viewing it through the eyes of the child, uh, there is this innocence that you're viewing it through too.
2: Right. Which we can accre- attribute to Joy's so much in what she created for him in that moment. Like she protected Jack. She gave him those opportunities to avoid the horrors of their situation. So you're absolutely right. It was intentionally They did such a great job of kind of building that character through those moments.
0: Yeah, so we have all of this world built, and I feel like we're living in the world, we're invested in our characters, and our actors are carrying it above and beyond. And then, Jack's five, we talk about Mouse and how Mouse can escape out into the world, and she starts to tell Jack about, there is a world outside of here, and everything, every wall has another side to it, and outside of room is world. And they start scheming, well, she starts scheming, how they're gonna get out of there. What this movie has so many it is really emotional, obviously, and it really is gripping and it's one of those movies that it is a thriller like in the true sense where it is breached through the screen and grabbed hold of you and is like, come along with me. When she starts to plan with her little five year old kid, we're gonna make it look like you get sick, and then the next day what we're gonna pretend that you're dead and wrapped up. Where was your kind of heart and your mind at this time and how are you feeling Cole I want you to tell me
3: Yeah so like really the like the tone setter for that kind of arc of the that chunk really set with when she's telling Jack kind of about the real world and he you know replies he like gets all kind of freaked out and he says he wants a different story and mm-hmm. that kind of like you know hit me and kind of really set emotional tone of you know he wants a different story like he doesn't like this story but that's his the story of his life right and it, it is a terrible tragedy and then it just kind of goes from there about them trying to escape the tone was very like tense and stressful and like I was the whole entire time I'm like he's gonna find out or he's gonna like roll open or the kid's gonna like You know, when he sees a tree for the first time, he's going to say something because he can't help himself because he's never fucking seen a tree before. And the whole entire time, I'm just like in my, you know, kind of having like a panic attack by cell phone boasts. Something's going to happen like this can't, you know, this this master plan that they concocted, something's going to go wrong and just very, very tense. There's something else
0: that they use to make that kind of emotion, too and it's the score. Kevin, we always ask you, I think, about music, and then ah. we'll ask Eric about it afterwards, but they're sure. using music throughout all of this, and they kind of use it to tell us, here's a kid's perspective, here's some tension. Tell us about what you thought about this score so far through the movie.
2: Of course. So this movie had an original soundtrack scored by Stephen Rennick. He's an iris musician and a film composer who had worked with Lenny Abramson, earlier in 2014 on his independent film, Frank, which I haven't seen, but i heard great things about. So these guys have already had a good relationship, uh, and I took exceptional note of the soundtrack throughout the film, but especially during the scene that Cole kind of so talked down there, how the escape scene in general, how ridiculously poignant the music was to kind of keep me on the edge of my seat while I'm watching allow me to still feel to be in the scene, but have just the overtones of just true shock and awe, that thriller moment. Some of the greatest thrillers in history have got soundtracks that accompany them that people can attach themselves to because it echoes uh, this energy, this idea that there's just high anxiety that anything could happen. And the soundtrack in this particular film did such a great job of doing that. There was another cool moment with the music where we get Ma or Joy's character singing the Big Rock Candy Mountain to Jack. And the original lyrics kind of refer to a hobo who's kind of fantasized about a land in which food and drink and cigarettes are free and plentiful, and one cannot be harmed or imprisoned. And I think that that whole idea of that movie or that sound kind of being part of a a child's tale to tell her son is very interesting too. So I thought the kind of the use of those two things made for a very uh, awesome experience for the viewer, and I really enjoyed the way that it kind of kept the high tension moments high, the lighter moments kind of uh, bright and airy. And then he wrote over twenty plus tracks for this movie, and I just thought it was a, a well done job.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you touched on the lullaby too, Eric. I'll let you add in. Go ahead.
1: I think the the score, especially when Jack gets out into the real world and he wraps from that rug and he is not saying much. They have a very close up shot of him, close up shots of the cop asking him questions. And then it just builds up to this tension until Ma or now Joy, she was always Joy, but uh, Joy runs and finally sees her child again. And then they don't have her screaming like banging on the uh, cop car or anything. Uh, They just perk up the music and it does feel like this big culmination of everything. And yeah, the first time I saw this movie, I, I was bawling my eyes out when, uh, when that happened. And I still cried this time. And it, it definitely has that score captivated that moment so well.
2: There was a point where I was actual cheering for um, Jack to escape. And it no one in part was because of that soundtrack kind of had me in that moment. And when you interact with the movie on that level, when you feel like you need to reach into the screen and and do something with those people, then you really know that you have an excellent film. And the soundtrack was a big part of that particular scene, but um, not only that, but then the whole film in general.
0: Yeah, something that I very much like like I'm saying is that it's not like a crime thriller like all out. And I feel like if it were, this whole escape would be this huge big thing in the movie and everything. But the way that they do it is so... I'm so wrecked for this little five-year-old out on the world on his own. And a huge part of that is Brie Larson's expression when he finally does get carried out of the room and she's by herself and she just has to trust this five-year-old with the plan that he was so against and so scared about that when he's rolled out rolled out of that rug on one of them, he screams, I hate you to her. And it's like, you have to put all of your trust in this little baby and he's your entire life and your entire world. And God, I hope that he's going to do it. And that the way-
2: scene, not to cut in, sorry, Kelly, yeah. but that scene was so brilliant because it was two separate emotions. She has to mm-hmm. fake it for the first part to get Vince him. And then the moment that he's removed from that scene, the emotion mm-hmm. changes and Brie Larson's character actually expresses real emotion that her son is gone. And I just took a note of that when I was watching it. Like The acting job was so effing brilliant that she was able to, like, you could cut it right in half, but when she changed it over, and it was just awesome.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, both that and then the whole him escaping the truck bed. It's this whole new refreshing take on what would be a crime thriller, a crime story, where it is focus on the emotional and once he's out of there the way i know i already touched on this but the way that the camera is disoriented just like a five-year-old in the world would be the scene of him looking up at the sky for the first time and his expression it's all of that and then when you have the first people that he encounters and you're like find your voice jack it's time to scream you know the rest (laughs) of the plan cole
3: yeah so i like when this plan first got enacted i was like oh, we're like 45 minutes into a two-hour film. No way that they're going to actually escape. And then, you know, the, the scene with the, like you were talking about the cinematography, they somehow make you feel like so emotional and so much like joy and wonder of basically what looks like just a standard Midwest town in like the winter where it's like railroad tracks, trees with no leaves and just people walking around. But they like the way it's filmed and the way it's shot, just and the score that goes with it, just like just makes it think that it's like the most beautiful thing in the world and you feel it. And I was just thinking, like, man, I drive through it just reminds me of growing up in Michigan and stuff. Just, you know, kind of mundane, blah-looking, gray sky and whatnot. And then the way that they did it was just so amazing. Yeah, I could even tell though that
1: uh the brightness got it got a lot brighter when he first looked up at the sky mm-hmm. and so that was you know a directorial choice to like kind of even freak the viewer audience out cuz the the film had this very specific color tone when it was in the room mm-hmm. and then when he finally unwraps the rug and is able to look up at the sky your uh, as a viewer your eyes got open too with uh, how bright they made the screen look
2: and it's something as simple as even his reaction like the close up on his eyes, right? You talk about that. And then Jason Trembley's his just wide eyed look of the sun. That was just particularly fantastic too. Just his individual performance in that moment just spoke so many words without him even having to open his mouth once.
0: Yeah, it that was a jaw-dropping moment for me of the context of what's happening, plus this whole kid's life culminating in what it is right there. And that's his first time seeing the uninterrupted sky. They and carry then he has that- to remember
2: the plan, right? He has yes. to remember his mom's plan as he's experiencing the world for the very first time, and it's a life or death moment. Like, if he doesn't remember that and he turns around, all of a sudden the dude's like, oh, there's a kid in my backseat. Nothing changes and we don't get that, but he has to experience all of those things at the same time, and it was just like, wow. Really cool.
0: Yeah, they carry that into, I mean, like the directorial choice to have his reaction to this guy carries into as eric said the mom does come out of the shed which i didn't expect i thought from now on this story is just gonna follow the kid but the mom is safe too they're reunited they get to the hospital and then the way that they show the experience of the hospital between these two where for him he's only ever known life with his mom in room to the world is bigger than you ever thought And you're going to slowly put your feet down on the cold linoleum of the hospital. He walks to the window. He looks all the way up. He looks all the way down. These are just pieces of the movie that I was like, I'm so glad they added all of this. Because if they even, at this point, my heart is grabbed. And if they could pull it even more, they are. So I wanted to hear kind of your guys' thoughts, especially for Cole and Kevin on your first view. The mom actually getting out of there and being safe. and the hospital scene and the doctors and the way that they kind of tell and don't tell us what's kind of going on. Cole, do you want to go first?
3: We've all seen these movies of, you know, terrible things of, you know, from slasher films or whatever, escaping serial killers, murderers, all that stuff. And I always wonder, like, how do you reintroduce back into society? And like, this is such like an extreme case where, you know, Brie Larson, Joy, has been kidnapped for seven years, and then her child has been kidnapped his whole life and has never seen anything. It's like I've always wanted to see that. And then I finally got, you know, a movie to really explore that transition and how difficult it is, you know, from this child who just has like constant sensory overload and like the way that they shoot it with the cameras and showing him and like even with like the mask and germs it's something that I never thought about I was like yeah of course the kid has been locked in a shed he hasn't been exposed to everything or playing on playgrounds like the rest of us are going to daycare and getting sick like every kid ever and then you know and then also uh, Brie Larson's case where in the room she was so strong for her son and so strong and showed you know some emotion but never had like these big breakdowns but then when she leaves, you know, she talks about how she would be so happy, but now it's like everything's kind of culminating and all that, you know, stuff that she's bottled up to stay strong for her son is all just comes crashing out. It's just like very well done. And I just, it was awesome.
0: Yeah. Kevin, did it subvert your expectations of what you thought would happen after Jack does come back and like your thoughts on the whole hospital kind of scene and I agree with everything that Cole said. I don't know that I could even put it in different words. I don't know if you want to try, but let's hear your I'm going to try. I'm going to do my (laughs) best.
2: So as we were watching the scene unfold, um, we get that moment where um, old Nick drops Jack and goes back to the truck. That was that first glimpse of hope for me as a viewer. Like, oh, wait a minute. This might actually go well. Because up until that point, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. You're going to get caught. You're going to get dragged back. We're going to have to go through this entire thing because it's, as we mentioned earlier, halfway through the film. So as a viewer, you're kind of not expecting the climax of the movie to happen halfway through the movie. So that catches you off guard immediately. So you're not prepared for that ending. And it's not even an ending, but that result of the escape to happen when it does. So we get that, where he actually... We see the cop, and the cop actually succeeds in finding out where she is on the first try, and we're now confused even further. That doesn't happen in movies, right? The cops are supposed to be cliched idiots who don't know where they're going. She nails it on this, like, Dr. House-style Sherlock Holmes, boom, 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 on the stop signs. And I just get this overwhelming uh, relief when we get the character of, you know, Ma or Brie Larson's character running out. It wasn't expected at all, but there was just so many different moments of relief that had hit you as a viewer— from you know getting out to escaping to all those things I just mentioned and it just made so much sense in that moment in that time I didn't have time to question it I was just so happy with that character I wanted them to be reunited like I couldn't get that door open fast enough and I'm watching a movie like I'm trying to open the damn door of a cop door so this mother and daughter or mother and son can get reunited together and it's just can't happen fast enough and they did such a great job of heightening that awareness and just everything about those scenes was just so well done
0: for sure eric on your second watch not only just this reunion between mother and son but once they're in the hospital and then the parents grandma and grandpa are introduced and their whole emotional world is reintroduced back into it along with the doctor who's trying to help them out and All of these characters then kind of being descended on us after their escape. On your second watch, did you feel any kind of differently knowing and having maybe the relief and surprise kind of stripped away once those characters are kind of brought in? What were your thoughts on the second watch?
1: Definitely. uh, The first watch, you know, I watched this a few years ago. It was so emotional for me. And this watch, well, not only did I know what was going to happen, but I'm watching it as a film reviewer. So I'm paying attention to all these little different things they did with camera shots and the acting. One big thing that I liked was when they finally get in the hospital, they fade to white and then they fade back into like the hospital, like fluorescent lights. And that was really interesting. And then, as, yes, the grandma, grandpa come back, or, I mean, come into Joy's life for the first time in a very long time, uh, you could definitely feel that emotion that just builds up there. And Joan Allen plays the grandma. William H. Macy, who's a very uh, famous actor, he plays the uh, biological grandpa. Those uh, characters were also written so well. Like, you could picture... They've been through a trauma now in the last seven years, you know, joy is trying to deal with her own trauma. They are trying to deal with this trauma of probably thinking their kid was dead for several years. And then you have this uh, kid who we're still viewing the whole movie through, uh, who is kind of like somewhat understanding what's going on, but not really. I think it was just so realistic, you know, like in how I think people would actually respond to those situations. And the realism of this movie, it makes it believable. And, you know, they could have easily gone down a bad path and kind of went way overboard with uh, some of the situations they put these characters in. But I think I I could see this all happening to somebody who experienced this and also their loved ones, you know. And they did such a great job of, uh, you know, writing and making this kind of movie.
0: Yeah. At this point in the movie, too... Uh, I wanted to kind of talk about and touch on pacing. I feel like in a lot of other movies that we've watched, that's almost always something that I want to like touch on and talk about where I would have sped up or slowed down. This movie, even up to here and going on, I just don't think that I would have changed a thing as far as pacing went. And I was, like I said, I didn't think that this movie would be what it was. I didn't think that they were going to get out of room. I didn't think that there was going to be any happiness to be told even from the hospital and then back to her childhood home where you find out that her parents have been divorced, that her dad doesn't live around here and they it it's just paced really well. I don't know that there's anything that I would have changed. I don't know if everyone else feels like the same with that. Judging by everyone's faces here on the call, I think that we do. Kevin?
2: I think that the movie did a particularly good job of ramping up the pace right at the exact moments that we needed to be. Mm -hmm. So it was perfectly paced out in the sense that the slower moments allowed us to kind of have those emotional moments. But then when the adrenaline ramped up and the moments of our character having to deal with something particularly tense, then it did a really good job of moving that forward. So I think you were 100% right that I wouldn't have changed anything. And I made particular note of those moments feeling more important because of the pacing feeling kind of rushed as we were supposed to feel rushed as the character's energies were changing.
0: Yeah, and things do slow down once they do get out of the hospital. Like I said, I think that they should because they need to settle back into what's going to be whatever normal is going to be one day, even with the media masses outside of their house, which, of course, that that would happen. Of course, all these kind of things would happen. I loved the relationships between mom and dad or grandma and grandpa and the new husband as well. And the way that they all interact together, the way they try to have a family dinner. I am glad that they included all of that kind of stuff. I don't know who wants to kind of weigh in on like these characters and the importance of including them in there. And for me, especially it's the way that Joy's biological dad reacts to this whole situation. It's, I put it under on my notes, this like notes of realness and, (laughs) He's under there for me, like the way that he interacts with the situation and everything. And I won't say it word for word, but um, whoever wants to go first, you have the floor.
1: Yeah, I could see that's the thing. I was talking about the realism of these characters that were also affected by it. I could see there being, you know, a grandpa and a grandma whose probably whole life was torn apart. I'm not sure if they divorced, you know, after she was kidnapped or if it was before but either way, I could see there being a family member not being able to look at the kid because it was just like shit, you know. Uh, this man that abducted my child, he raped her and created a kid out of it, and I could see that being difficult for somebody to look at the kid. Even though I don't think it's right, I think it's actually a human reaction that Robert Newsom uh, or uh, William H Macy's character had. Uh, Joan, she uh, or Joan Allen, who plays uh, Nancy Newsom, definitely she's like more of the understanding grandma, but like also is going through something of her own at the same time and is trying her hardest to do what's right for her, you know, her daughter and her now grandson that she knows of. And then you have Leo just kind of the step grandpa, who's like this happy guy that he is just trying to be the in-between between between both of them, you know, and Mm -hmm. between the uh, biological grandpa and grandma and I, I could just see this being a family and this being a reaction of a family after this has happened to them, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree and Leo is what a what a blessed man and he's just he just wants to bring his dog around but he's going to wait till it's safe and he's going to be nice and respectful about it and what a what a guy, but grandma is for me like a huge star of the show as well and the way that The movie takes us both in a direction where, and they've done it the whole time, where I feel like we are equally split through a child's eyes and through Brie Larson's eyes. And I think that once we get to this point, we're leaning more towards how is Brie Larson's character feeling now that she's back in the world that she was forcibly taken from seven years ago and has to pick up all the pieces and feel all the emotions of being in that kind of space again. It then brings us to a place where she decides to do something that I think is, again, what I would call a realness moment for somebody in her kind of shoes, who kind of wants to talk about their reaction to what, unfortunately, Jack walks in on, and for me, was probably the most emotional part of what already was a tragic story, but became even more because they filled me with hope again. And then brought me back down to this kind of reaction would happen. And Before that, too, was this whole interview scene that kind of enhances emotions that were already underlying. Kevin, do you want to kind of touch on this part of the film?
2: Of course. So as we've kind of alluded to, this film does a great job of having two distinct parts, two distinct acts, two different sides of the film that allow the viewer to kind of have a separate experience while watching both things. And I think that's especially poignant given the topic that we're talking about with something as serious as being abducted and having this serial rapist be part of your life. And there's going to be parts that are uncomfortable for the viewer, and there were certainly parts of this movie that had me kind of looking away from the screen because it was harder to deal with. But the mental health aspect of this film is very real. I mean, can you imagine any other situation? I mean, you spend seven years of your life kind of in this torturous hell. How are you supposed to deal with that? We get the scene where Brie Larson's character basically exclaims, I'm just supposed to be happy. Like, why am I not happy any longer? And then it really makes you think that even if you're not abducted and kept captive for seven years, people still deal with Severe anxiety and depression on a regular basis, so much to the point where suicide seems to be the only option for some individuals. So, to see a theatrical representation of kind of someone who has every reason to be super excited and happy about life, still thinking that suicide is the only option, it certainly gives you a real life look at what mental health, it really, you know, all the struggles that people have with maintaining that. And kind of what suicide not necessarily gives us people as an option, but just the realistic portrayal of what that does to a family and how that can affect a situation. The movie did such a great job of kind of allowing the viewer to feel along with the family, as you kind of alluded to. It felt like a real family. It felt like real people who were having to deal with the sudden return of their daughter, a sudden return of a loved one and how do they interact with them. We talked about William H. Macy's character a little bit, how he clearly has a problem with alcohol where his first reaction is he needs a scotch when offered a drink instead of something else, and how he's not able to look his you know, grandson in the eyes. And as Eric said, there's probably a real life reaction, right? That's something you can't necessarily rationalize why you feel that way, but someone does have that reaction when you see that. In general I thought that we enjoyed those scenes and kind of the initial raw reaction of those characters and just the whole message in general about mental health being such a struggle, uh, definitely spoke to me and to a lot of other viewers in general, I think.
3: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, first off, Leo is the, my dog. He's great. I loved him in this movie. He did, uh, he's like the best step grandpa ever going back to the interview that was uh, performed like, so Brie Larson's character, joy doesn't does like a big expose interview to, you know, get some money. Cause talk about, kind of about, you know, if you do one interview, what's worth a lot of money and all that stuff. And the person that does the interview does exactly what I would think, like a big expose interviewer would do asks a lot of hard questions and like really dives deep into the motion and asks like, You know, one question of, you know, did you ever ask your captive to let Nick or let Jack go? And she was like, why would I? He's mine. Like, he, you know, he needs me. And it's like kind of broke down her, almost like made her question her whole entire life kind of at that point where for five years she had been protecting this kid from from, you know, old Nick. And then this one question kind of made her second guess all of those choices mm-hmm. and was like, you know, did am I a bad mom? Did I do the right things? Am I the bad person in this scenario? And it like all comes crashing down. And then on top of that, you have, you know, anyone that deals with kind of depression or has seen it affect people and, or, you know, even like PTSD and other stuff. You know, she talks about how, you know, her friends from high school and stuff, like, you know, what happened to them? Well, nothing mm-hmm. their life just went on they just kept living she doesn't feel not necessarily like that, that feeling of validation but that feeling of everyone else just their lives just kept going and why why isn't anyone else's life destroyed like mine like why is everyone else fine and i'm not like you know i was a part of your guys's lives and i'm gone now and my life got ruined why aren't you you know exhibiting the same signs so and then between that and the interview all culminated to her you know, uh, basically overdosing, you know, where she ends up going to the hospital, has to get, you know, stays in the hospital for a while. But like the way that they did that was also real and and just felt like what would really happen in those scenarios of just dealing with such crazy emotions and and uh, just the writing in every way that they did this film is just spectacular, Eric.
1: The other uh, little uh, snippet that we saw of her looking at her friends from high school, and it's just like seven years have probably passed for these friends, and for all we know, they haven't contact her, contacted her since she's been back. But, like, also, you imagine what you uh, go through between the ages of 16 and 23, like uh, what I, – I mean, uh, how much life happens between that those seven years, and she was abducted and put in a room while all these, you know – her girlfriends went off to college, probably know they uh, got a degree, know what they're going to do with their wife or something. And she's just been stuck in this stasis the whole time, abducted. And then, yeah, I also wanted to talk about that interview scene. So the interview viewer asked, uh, you know, why didn't you try to get him to a hospital or something? She actually did. Uh, she she tried uh, to make him fake being sick and like get old Nick to take him take him to the hospital uh, take Jack to the hospital and he wouldn't. And of course, though, like I, I kind of, I could totally see that being a human reaction where you bottle up and you're just like, he's mine. I love him. This isn't this, this man's kid, you know? And I, I felt like, again, that was such a human reaction to a professional primetime reporter kind of sticking you with all these very intrusive personal questions that you, you had to, uh, be part of because you're going through this trial now where they're trying to convict the abductor and the lawyer said you have to basically do this you know and you would be in this massive depression after all this happened and you wouldn't be able to properly explain all your feelings or talk honestly about what you're thinking all the time and so I, I could only imagine going through an interview after all that how bombarding that would feel
0: Yeah, something that I really took from that interview, and Cole, you kind of had touched on how she always had to be kind of the strong person, and now she finally can start to relax a little bit, and I think that that is what kind of triggers a lot of underlaying emotions for her, and during that interview, though, the writing that... I probably took away, and there's a lot of strong writing points, but it's during this interview, this primetime interview that God knows doesn't need to exist, but does happen in the real world all the time. They ask about Jack's biological father and Bree's reaction to that. And no, know, like knowing they had that conversation ahead of time where if you're uncomfortable, you can tell us and we won't ask you or anything or whatever, if they really mean that, but They say, are you going to tell him about his father? And she's like, that's not a father. A father is loving and takes care of his children. Well, what about their biological relationship? There's no relationship there. Those kind of shutdowns in this kind of situation, I thought, was such a brilliant piece of writing. And I'm so glad that that exists and is out in the world. Because that kind of stuff, I think, should be mainstream thought. So I am so glad that they included that and the kind of strength that she shows right there is one of my favorite points in this entire film we're coming near the end i have kind of exhausted what i've written down as notes but i'm curious if you all have some kind of extra things that you want to add because this movie's full of all kinds of depth all kinds of feeling and there's a lot to it so i want to kind of give the floor to you all again to add in anything else that we haven't touched on in our discussion so far eric
1: um yeah i know i've been talking a lot but uh, I did want to talk a little bit more about camera shots here. When Jack meets Seamus, the dog, (laughs) I noticed that uh, there was a lot more longer, wider shots. And, you know, he actually goes for a walk with the dog Mm -hmm. and, you know, he even plays with another kid and the, the camera kind of zooms out and like through uh, the rest of the film. And you get a lot of longer and wider shots feeling this less claustrophobic feeling that you've felt this whole film. And now viewing it, on a second time, I'm like, that was so intentional. This kid has had his first relationship, real relationship outside of uh, his own family with a dog now. Like, you, you have a friendship with this uh, Seamus, and then you uh, you meet um, another kid who bangs on the window with a ball, <laughs> and yeah, his world has really become bigger now when he has friendships with things that aren't you know in his family that he doesn't need to have friendships with it necessarily. Uh, a dog's in a family, okay, you know, but <laughs> but, um, camera shots there, oh my gosh, yeah, that I totally noticed what they did this time, and that was such a smart move by the director.
2: I'm glad you pointed that out because I kind of wondered what the final shot of that film, why it felt that way, why it was the huge zoom out, the massive just like drone style shot of just kind of literally leaving it in a massive expanse, but that makes so much sense now when you think about the start of the movie and what it started out and expansive feeling of freedom that was brilliant choice
3: um yeah so one thing that uh we didn't touch on is what we kind of did so i'm not a big kid guy not a big fan of kids but uh i genuinely thought that uh jacob did a phenomenal job uh acting to the point where even like and i also don't particularly like internal monologues or narrations but the way that they did The kids like narration of the world where it was kind of like echoey and it's slightly different was just so good. And I just like wanted that kid to describe me everything for some reason. It just like drove me crazy and I absolutely loved it. Oh, one of my favorite quotes was at the towards the very beginning where um, she's talking about her bad tooth and it's like mind over matter. And then the kid just says, if you don't mind it, it doesn't matter. And I was like, that is (laughs) fucking (laughs) awesome. I love that kid. Very, very well done. Just like goes back to the phenomenal writing in this movie. Um, One weird thing that I did notice, uh, the doorknob for the mom's house was like in the center of the door. That drove me crazy.
1: I
0: was wondering what you were going to bring up that (laughs) could have to do with the set design or otherwise. I I, I saw
3: it and like the doorknob is just like in the middle and then the deadbolt's on the other side. I'm like, that's the weirdest door I've ever seen.
0: I've seen that before. I though. mean, like that—that like,
3: that is out yeah, there. Yeah, it's just it's stupid. It's, yeah, it's it's stupid. <laughs> but uh,
1: yeah, Kelly, you're somebody who doesn't like voiceover, but you know, this is a movie that was based off a book, and the author Emma Donahue, wrote the book, wrote the movie, and the book is from the POV and first person of uh, Jack the the child here. Did did you think it was necessary to have voiceover and include that voice from the book, especially? when it was written so well.
0: Yeah, so you had asked me this when we watched it in person too, and I don't remember how I responded. I was probably like save it for the pod. But this movie, I'm not a mom, but I am an aunt, and it pulled at every single part and in the in in the Midwest we say aunt instead of aunt for our our listening audience. I'm an aunt. It pulled at every single one of my aunt heartstrings where I just I would die for Jack. He is the most precious little baby in the whole world, and he has beautiful hair, and I'm so glad that they have his gorgeous hair shown. And when they decide, when he cuts it to help his mom out, it's just like, uh, stop. So that said, with the narration, I'm kind of with Cole where, uh, just like he said, I don't like it usually, but a kid's perspective on the world is such a magical thing, and they wrote it in such a way that feels like if you talk to a child of that age, and it's the very vague memories that you might still have when you were a child, especially depending on what kind of imagination you were able to have in your upbringing. The vague memories that I have of being that age, I feel like they captured it with the way that they did the sound effect of this voiceover, and even him just saying, now that I'm five, I know everything. It's just... It's adorable. It's so cute, and they needed to include all that kind of stuff for this movie to work in the way that it did. So, this one gets my voiceover pass, Kevin.
2: <laughs> I really did appreciate too the small instances of the literary references that we got to. Clearly, some of the books that she was reading to him, even from something as simple as Samson, the story from the Old Testament. Clearly, she yep. read him anything that she could get her hands on from Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland to like I just referenced the Bible there. There was just some cool moments there that she did such a great job of kind of bringing him up through uh, what she had available to him. And it was just a, a cool little addition there.
0: Even like the Count of Monte Cristo is yes, in there too. That's a
2: good one too, right? Someone who's literally imprisoned throughout mm-hmm. the entire story and like telling him thats a that was a pretty cool touch.
0: Yeah, to use Alice in Wonderland to explain to him that, listen, I'm like Alice, I need to get back out of here, and you need to come with me is just like, it's it's amazing. Uh, yeah, good. I'm glad that you mentioned that as well. All right. Does anyone else want to add anything else, or do we want to move on to some reviews?
2: I mean, we'll talk about this during reviews too, but this movie clearly marks the moment that A24 starts getting into its groove from a, a mainstream audience perspective. We've kind of touched on it, but Brie Larson achieves the Oscar for Best Actress in a Film, a Best Leading Role because of a movie that A24 puts out. So they have the ability to kind of use this as a launching point, point. and as a viewer, it's very clear that this movie has a special place in the a24 library i just thought i throw that out there
0: yeah i'm glad that you did well eric because you have watched this twice now i think that you should be the first to give us your thoughts and your review on it all
1: okay well if uh you don't really listen uh to our podcast super often or if you haven't listened to previous episodes Uh, We do a film rating of A plus 24 to F minus 24. And the one film I gave an A plus 24 to is Ex Machina. And so I'm going to have to judge this film compared to that, which is super tough for me. Super, two completely different films. This film has the acting down, the directing down, the writing down. The only place where I will maybe give it a little difference from Ex Machina, I, Ex Machina just, it has so much to say about the world we live in and science fiction and like, uh, it, it's a little bit more of my kind of film. And so it's it's hard for me to be like, yeah, this film is worse than Ex Machina. It, it really isn't. I, I think that when you look at all the filmmaking check marks, this still checks all those marks for me. But I think I'm going to have to give this an A24, not an A+. If I had to put this on a list, it would be on my top 25 films of the last like 10 years, but maybe not my top 25 films of all time. And so just going on a very like broad, general scale of uh, how I'm rating things here, yeah, I'm going to give this an A24. There's a lot of stuff I loved about it, but it wasn't the plus-plus for me.
0: Fair enough. Kevin, I want you to go next.
2: So, as Eric kind of alluded to, this movie definitely checks all of the different boxes when it comes to f- watching a film for me. I was entertained from the start to the finish, and with a two hour runtime, that's important in a movie. You don't want to be clicking through your scroll time to see where you are. It definitely encapsulated kind of the entire experience from having the climax halfway through the film and allowing me to kind of see where they were going to go with it to the different character developments that we got through. Um, seeing Ma's character Joy kind of go through the strong moments to the weak moments and where she comes through at the end of the film, to Jack, uh, his development, the wonders that we see when he's escaped, as well as the smaller roles of Joan Allen's character, kind of some of the things that she was able to bring as Grandma. We get that excellent scene where Jack just says, I love you, Grandma, and that really just made my heart kind of melt a little bit in the sense that he had such a rough start but he's able to kind of normalize himself in a little bit because of love of people and the love of the family and that for me was kind of a really cool moment in the film i thought we had a really great job in general i alluded it to her earlier but brie larson was able to attain the oscar for best actress because of her performance and this movie is only as successful as her performance in the sense that she is the entire vehicle from start to finish the director did a great job of working with our author in establishing an authentic screenplay for this movie and this book. I think that it's an integral that the author of anything that becomes a book to the screen has complete input in how the movie is directed, how the casting is done, and everything else in between. And it was very evident that our author uh, was part of this project from start to finish. We had some awesome cinematography moments from the uh, shots of Jack escaping to just some of the the close-up shots that we had of the 10 by 10 room and everything else in between. I touched on the soundtrack earlier. I thought it was very creative. It was very well done, and I enjoyed this movie from start to finish. It clearly was one of the top films of 2015, and it kind of launched A24 for the rest of what they end up becoming. I will recommend this to my friends and I will watch it again, and I do think that it's got uh, repeat value and mainstream appeal. Excellent movie overall. It gets an A24 from me.
0: Okay, good. Cole, do you want to go next, or would you like
3: for me to go? Oh, no. Host last. Come on now. I'll go I'll, well. I'll go next. Uh, so, obviously, we all really love this movie, and this movie is one that I would definitely recommend to friends, family, and whatnot, and is definitely a film that kind of falls into those categories of those weird fucking people out there that think that film can't be art or films can't you know invoke emotion or that you know book movies are all terrible this is the film to watch much like like graveyard of fireflies is a film that you would show people that think cartoons are always fun and you know kind of for kids this movie is one of those that just so good with emotion and and just showing you so much in a two-hour movie Truly amazing, and the way that they split the film in 50-50, where you basically have two completely different kind of pictures of the world where you go from, like, so claustrophobic and dark and dingy and sad and, like, almost no hope to this world of wonder and bright lights and disorientation and sensory overload is is just done so well. And it's, it's, I don't know, it's just really impressive and was not as good as i i was not expecting it to be as this good and with brie larson and jacob their acting was just phenomenal um i'm like eric this film is definitely high up on my list i don't think i can say it's like you know would be on my top 25 list you know movies of all time not because it's bad just because i just Maybe the subject matter is too heavy to make it, so it's something that I would want to watch all the time or recommend all the time, but it is truly a fantastic film, and I think it deserves a A 24.
0: Very good. My thoughts on this movie, uh, I agree with all of you for sure. Like I've been alluding to, it really was not what I expected to watch, and I really like the way that they took this kind of crime, thriller, horror genre and made it like the most emotional, impactful, grab me by the heart kind of story that they could in film form. I've talked about multiple times on this podcast that I feel like make me care about the characters, and they completely knocked that out of the park for sure. I was absolutely in there, I was absolutely invested. Uh, It was captivating, it was shot beautifully, and it was very moving emotionally. So it's all the things that need to be done by a movie that I've established in the past for me. It's also like we've kind of said as well, it checked off all of the pieces of, I think, what any kind of academy is looking at for a movie to make a movie told as good. And I think they did a great job. All of this said, kind of like what um, Eric and Cole are saying, it's not... As good as it is, it's a great, great movie. It's just not my taste at the end of the day. It's emotional, for sure. I think they did an amazing job, like I'm saying. But I like a movie that's twists my mind at the end of the day. This one is not what I expected with it. They took a lot of choices that I did not see coming. But I thought about it the day after we watched it for a while. But it's not going to stick with me forever and ever, if that makes sense. it's didn't change the way that I'm going to look at the world or kind of like break my mind and I think that for me and when I'm reviewing films in my amateur film review world that's kind of what I'm looking for to just bump it up into the what I'm going to call the A class so this is my example of what is a very very good movie that is not quite in the world that I consider my absolute taste so B plus 24 from me.
2: Nicely done, everyone.
0: Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Heck of a movie. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. And if you did, and if you like us, and if you want to make us smile, maybe we made you smile, you can return the favor and give us some positive reviews on wherever you're listening to this podcast. We'd appreciate it a lot. We're also on all the kinds of social media that you could ever look for. And you can have a drink on the rocks and write us some nice comments sometime. We'd love to hear from you
2: by room <laughs> by room
0: by room
3: by lamp by chair 2
2: <laughs> by chair chair 1 and chair, chair. 2